You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAD. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Dr. Gray? I am amazing. What can I help you with? Um, so I have a few questions regarding sort of a non-traditional path to med school. Uh, I started with a background in English, and just about eight months ago, I decided to switch paths uh, a few years after graduation. Um, so currently, I am taking community college classes, and I do have a few concerns about that. I've had some people tell me that those will not be taken as seriously as if I was taking my prereqs at a university. Mm-hmm. And is that, is that generally the case with admissions? It's potentially the case. I, I wouldn't say it's generally the case. It's potentially the case. I think if you have a reason why you're taking a Mac Community College, um, then you may have to explain why. Um, I think there's also a big difference between why you're taking classes now versus undergrad, right? You're a non-traditional career changer, it sounds like. Yes. Um, and so it, it's one variable, Right. If, if you had a 4.0 in undergrad as a history major and now you're at community college and you're still getting good grades, I don't think a lot of people are going to question what's going on. If you really struggled in undergrad and now you're at community college and doing well, then there's a question, well, are you a different student or are the classes just easier? And, and mm-hmm. I think right, me saying are the classes easier is not my kind of view of community college courses, but that's uh, often the point of view of these people in admissions committees of like, oh, community college is easier. I'm like, it's the same person teaching at the community college. <laughs> is that is that the four-year university? They're, they're moonlighting right. at the community <laughs> college to make some extra money. It's the same professor uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the times. So I, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it if it's what you need to do uh, okay. because that's the schedule that works for you. That's the financial aspect that works for you. Just be ready to explain it. Okay. And to kind of bounce off of that, I've been taking them at a couple community colleges. One, because I was taking some online courses over the summer. Not sure if that looks bad um, or not. So I wanted to ask about that as well, just mainly for scheduling reasons. Um, yeah. And because I am working as well. So my my biggest fear is the online part. Uh, we are post-COVID at this point. Uh, online prereqs are generally frowned upon by by med schools. Okay. There are uh, there there is one I talk about them all the time. John Johns Hopkins that changed their whole policy on mm-hmm. online courses to say, hey, like we taught med school online, therefore you as an undergrad student can learn physics online. We, we don't have a problem with that. So they, their policy is online courses accepted, uh, pre COVID, post COVID, uh, anytime. So. The uh, unfortunately, the general consensus still is online courses are still frowned upon. You can look at the MSAR, you can go to individual medical schools websites and look at what their policies are. And they um, usually at least the way that the MSAR has the information, it's it's by course. And you just have to to look at their chart and go, okay, physics they do they accept ap do they accept online do they accept whatever and you just have to kind of play by their rules unfortunately but in terms of multiple community colleges i I don't see that as a huge problem it's just more of a pain in the butt with all the transcripts i understand that um so as a non-traditional student i do not have a science background i have a humanities background 
And as I've been continuing my studies, I've realized that research might be something I'm interested in, um, potentially doing an MD, PhD. But I'm wondering if it's kind of late to the game, and if not, where should I start? Yeah, so MD, PhD is, is really one of those things where it's, it's not, ooh, I think I may have an interest in research. It's, hey, look at all of this research I have that proves I want to be a researcher. And that's where students apply to MD, PhD. Unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of students applying to MD, PhD don't really understand that. And it's just like, well, I think I have an interest in research and I have, I have 100 hours from this research course that I took, but then they aren't out there getting research on their own and racking up hundreds if not thousands of hours of research mm-hmm. um and and then applying to school a lot of people are intrigued by free medical school with the uh, mstp programs and so i i think if md phd is something you're interested in take some time get lots of research and then apply to md phd programs okay. but you just have to understand typically the md phd career is different than the MD or DO career, right? Mm-hmm. And or, or DO PhD. You're typically saying, hey, I want to be a researcher that also happens to see patients maybe one day a week or half a day a week. But my career, I want focused in a lab doing research okay. versus the majority of people who go to medical school are saying, hey, I want to take care of patients. And yeah, I may want to do research as a clinician but that's different than an MD PhD mm-hmm. job, typically. That makes sense. Thank you for that. Um, I think I just had one more question here. It's sort of like a two-part question, um, mm-hmm. having to do with consistency. So, actually, no, I have two questions. My bad. Um, so the first one is. Um, I worked for two years as a dental assistant before deciding that medical school is a path I wanted to take. And I've gotten sort of some mixed reviews on whether or not that counts as clinical experience. I've asked a few people, and so some people have said, absolutely, like getting patient care, you're assisting on some surgeries, et cetera, and so forth. Um, but other people have said no, because it's not technically medical. Yeah. The people who say no are wrong. Okay. <laughs> of, course of course it's clinical experience. Now, maybe what they're trying to say is it's not the best clinical experience because it's dental experience. And you're saying, hey, I want to go to medical school. But it's definitely clinical experience. So I, I, would, I would put it on your application as clinical experience. And I would make sure that you're getting recent clinical experience in more of a medical setting, non-dental setting. Okay. So that leads into my second question about consistency. Um, Currently, where my career path is going at the moment, just for putting food on the table, staying in classes, I teach at the community college um, Mm -hmm. because it helps pay my tuition. And it's a, you know, it's an easy way to work and stay in school. So good reason to say why you're taking community college courses. Like, hey, I teach really, Yeah, (laughs) it really just makes a lot of sense. Um, but the downside to that is I'm not really getting a lot of clinical experience at the moment. I'm no longer working in a dental office because my hours don't allow it. I'm, um, trying to shadow pretty regularly, but at this rate, since I've started taking classes about eight months ago, 
I've only been shadowing one or two doctors a semester. And I'm wondering, is that enough or do I need to ramp it up like times four? Shadowing one or two doctors a semester, like for four hours total, like what does that look like? Like 16 hours each or something like that, maybe more. Fantastic. And a lot more than what most students are able to get. So from a a shadowing perspective, that's fantastic. And I, I think there's, there's a lot of misconception around what consistency looks like. I think when students hear, oh, I need clinical experience, they immediately think, oh, I need a full-time job. Nobody is saying that, right? Five hours a week over the course of a month, it adds up. Over the course of several months, adds up. Five hours or 10 hours a month across a year is 120 hours. Things add up, right? (laughs) So, So I think there's this mindset we have to get out of that's like, if I'm not committing myself to 40 hours a week, then I'm not dedicated and they're not going to take me seriously. Yeah. Right? Your, your job's to be a student. And yes, you also should be doing some of these other things, but they don't have to be full-time jobs. Okay. That tracks. That's wonderful. That does also um, give me a little anxiety, though, about my volunteering history. So I used to volunteer a lot in my undergrad. Um, and then about a year after COVID hit, and suddenly we're not going anywhere doing anything. And sort of following that, I fell out of the habit of, you know, doing a lot of community service. Like I do a highway pickup or volunteer at a soup kitchen occasionally, but it was nothing consistent and weekly um, until about last year. I did a stint of about six months, one place, and then I just kept moving and moving, you know? So I've been a bit nomadic for a while now. And because of that, I don't have consistent community service hours any one place. And I'm trying to build that up now, but I'm worried that I may have another move and it's just going to look like I'm hopping around every four months, every six months and not really (laughs) sticking anywhere. Why is she running from the law? Yeah, (laughs) I, I think you have this arbitrary ideal in your head that it doesn't count unless it's a thousand hours at one place across three years. Nobody is saying that. Okay. Right. If you have reasons why you're moving around, then you have reasons why you're moving around. And the fact that you're still engaging in community service, even with all of these moves shows that you're dedicated to it. Okay. That's encouraging. (laughs) Get, get out of this mindset of, of this ideal that you have in your head, wherever you're getting it from that there's this perfect thing that you should be doing because it doesn't exist. The only thing that you should be doing are the things that you want to be doing. And yes, you should be getting a little bit of clinical experience. Uh, And yes, you should be getting a little bit of shadowing because you're supposed to be proving to the medical schools that you like being around patients and you like that role of a physician and you're okay with being in that environment. You're doing that kind of stuff. Wonderful. The fact that you're getting community service and and giving your time is fantastic. The fact that it's in different places and you're moving every few months, whatever it is, like they may be like, this person's running from the law. (laughs) Just the the random joke, but who cares? You're doing it. Yeah, I think there's just a little more anxiety as a non-traditional student about doing everything right. And there's no right. There's no right. There's no perfect None of those things exist. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Any other questions? I think that covered everything I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. 
Well, as a non-trad, when you're, when you're getting ready for the MCAT, go to blueprintmcat.com, get a free account, and use their study planner tool to fit in uh, all of your MCAT prep with all of that nomadic volunteering that you're doing as well. All right. Well, thank you so much. That'll be a big help. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 